So I think that's why there was so much turnaround in the dishes in the menu. I've been eyeing this other technique that I've been thinking about for years. I need to do that technique. It's it was kind of like when a band has been playing for years, but they've never made a record, and they have all these songs, and they just put everything into that first album. That's what that was. My first album was that pop up in the beginning. Every amazing flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft. Welcome to Flavors Unknown, a series of inspirational conversations with renowned culinary leaders. Discover how their cultural identity shapes their creative process with your host, Emmanuel. Welcome to another flavorful episode of the Flavors Unknown podcast. I am your host, Emmanuel LaRoche. I have been in the food industry for more than 20 years, both in Europe and in the US. And every other week, I have genuine conversations with acclaimed chefs, pastry chefs, and mixologists from around the country. And today, we are diving into a culinary journey that marries Southern charm with Thai traditions. We are joined by Chef Parnas Savang, the co-founder of Atlanta's Talat Market who has redefined what it means to blend cultures on a plate. From the humble beginnings in his parents' Thai restaurant to creating a buzz in Atlanta's diverse food scene, Chef Savang's story is one of innovation, resilience, and a deep love for culinary arts. Today, he shares not just his journey, but also his unique approach to Georgian Thai cuisine, a testament to his creative genius and cultural heritage. So let's get ready to explore a world where southern ingredients dance with Thai flavors. Hi, Chef. How are you? Hi. What's up, Emmanuel? I'm good. Happy to be I here. am good. Yes, I'm good as well. And I'm really excited to have you on, on the podcast. We have been, you know, talking about it for, for a while and seeing each other at some, you know, different event in, in Atlanta. So I'm, I'm glad that you are finally on. Yes, I'm, I think it's been since 2017 or 18 that we met each other in yeah, passing. And, that's true. And we've been talking true. for that long and finally get to have a conversation. That's true. You are correct. And the first time, in fact, it was you had only like a pop-up at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So obviously, we are going to talk about Thai, Thai American cuisine. And I, I would love to start asking my guests if, you know, you close your eyes and you go back into your childhood. So if there's any, you know, food or smell that, you know, from your childhood that, you know, it's still vibrant in your mind and almost like can continue to inspire you. You know, my parents are from, they have a, they used to have a restaurant called Dantai and they made Thai food, you know, when they were on making food for the restaurant, they were making their Americanized Thai food versions that were delicious, that really made that community excited about what they were doing. But in between shifts and services, they would make food for themselves. And that was a totally different type of cuisine that was more to the core of what they ate when they were in Thailand. Easy things, quick fire things, stir fries, uh, noodle gravy dishes 
uh, salad dishes. But, you know, when I was a younger child, I feel like when you're a child, uh, food memories are bigger and they mean more. And when I was a child, I was at home a lot more and my grandma was taking care of me and my brother. And she would make the dishes that she felt comfortable with. And one of the biggest ones was kanji or in Thai's jok. And we would get just plain rice. Well, kao tom is just plain rice. And we would get a bunch of condiments like panchan in a Korean restaurant. But she would have like, like fermented tofu with soybean. It's a tinned fish that she would usually like fry up or some tiang, which is like a Chinese lap chong sausage and some pickled mustard greens. And even though that was, you know, that saved the most time uh, making, you can make that whenever. It was just the most comforting. It's something that I always look forward to. Oh yeah, pork floss as well. Just having having all those condiments on s- sections of the the rice porridge and just eating it in different combinations was was amazing. You know, there's like some sourness from the pickled mustard green, sweetness and richness from the pork floss, some umami creaminess from the fermented tofu and soybean, and you know, like a rich, another rich fried tin component of a, of the fish. So that's that's something that I I haven't made a dish out of that yet, but that one is what I I, I always go back to when I close my eyes and think about my childhood. Okay. Oh, uh, you said you haven't, you know, done really a dish inspired by that yet, but obviously being like the first generation, you know, Thai American, and then you, you have your, the background and the influence, you know, from your family. And then as well, you grew up, you know, with Southern ingredients influence. So, so how all of that influenced your style of, I would say, Georgian Thai cuisine? Yeah. I mean, you know, in the beginning of my, search and dive into Thai food, uh, it was, I was very adamant about being traditional. I didn't know what that meant back then. I just wanted to try to replicate everything I could from Thai cuisine and not have any influences at all. So it was, but over time, it's just when you're in, in the area and when you live in the South, you just see Southern ingredients all the time when you're working with the caliber chefs that I was working with as my coworkers. And, you know, when you taste a tomato that is grown locally, it just tastes so different than what you'd get in the store. And that, you know, you didn't have to do anything much to it. And so in Thailand, you cook that way too. You cook local and seasonal. I can't, I mean, at that time in the beginning, like the beginning of my search the, of the pop-up uh, six years ago, the, there weren't a lot of Thai ingredients that were grown locally for the cuisine. But over, you know, over time, I brought seeds over and we have friends who grow certain Thai ingredients for us. And then in turn, that went into, uh, it became, they became popular because the popularization of Thai food and Lao food, Southeast Asian flavors, really. And 
and then also refugees from that area coming into uh, Atlanta, it just made it more, um, I wouldn't, wouldn't say fashionable, but more popular and more like everyday ingredients now. But, but yeah, just kind of using like, for example, just looking at what a lot of Southern cuisine was like, I mean, is that inspired me to kind of be like, wait, if you can do that with grits, you know, you have a quick pickup, uh, a long pickup on grits uh, or, I don't know, like fried okra. You can see, when I saw those things, I saw similarities between that and Thai food. It's just like a lot of it is just like, there's techniques that bridge in many cultures, but I saw those reflected in Thai food. And so when I make a dish, I, um, you know, I, I kind of pursue decisions in a dish that make me excited. I always try to do things that I haven't seen other people do in normal Thai restaurants that are here or just like any other restaurants. Can you take an example, for instance, maybe of something that you have on the menu today, which is, you know, kind of show the two faces of Thai and, you know, obviously Southern ingredients and as well that you think it's unique? Absolutely. We have a, a, a dish called Yam Khao Thot. It is, it's a crispy rice salad. You know, they're the, the origin origins is from, it's like North, it's like a bordering between Laos and Thailand, the Isan area. There's a dish where it's like you marinate, you, you add curry paste to some jasmine rice and then you season it out and then you fry it in balls and you break it apart and you make a salad with like this fermented pork and peanuts and ginger and a bunch of herbs and you eat it with lettuce cups. So our variation is inspired by that instead of, um, instead of making it into balls, we wanted to make it extra crispy. So we, you know, put the curry paste all over the individual grains of rice, rice flour, fry it. So that's the Thai component. But then we take out the fermented pork and we add seasonal vegetables. And the vegetables can be a variety of things. Like it can be like a soft uh, vegetable, like a, a like beets or roasted squash. Or it can be, you know, lettuce or shaved cabbage. Just like that, it, just like whatever is in season, we just kind of find a way to add it into there. And it's just one dish that we have on the menu that is the same, but constantly changes depending on what season we are in. And I think this, and then that dish can also like, you know, transcend any, any like Georgia. It can go to California. It can go to New York and go back to Thailand. And I, I wonder what that would look like, you know, just the, um, an American version of a Thai dish back in Thailand using local Thai ingredients. But yeah, that's one example. So where do you derive your inspiration from, you know, especially when you are creating like, a, you know, a new dish or, or a new menu? I, the, the first, the first technique is I look at, what we have in season. And then I find vegetables that are 
common in some dishes in Thailand. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, there's like Asian eggplant, Japanese eggplant. Um, that's very common in the South these days. And we'd use that to make, you know, re- they, there's like a, a famous eggplant dish in Thailand where you grill it and you just, you know, it's like a salad. It's a yum. And then, you know, the other technique is where I want, there's a specific dish that I want to you to do. And I just pick that technique and then I find ingredients in the, in the South where it, it could, you know, mesh well with that dish. Okay. Yeah. So two entry points. So one is the local ingredients and then you, I would say tied, you know, like the ingredients with, you know, a recipe that, that you want to execute or you go the route of that you want to explore a specific technique and then you are identifying certain local ingredients, you know, to, to apply the techniques on. Yes. Okay. And then the, Very cool. and then the other technique is more of like the, the chef special, the, the featured, like it's not Thai. It's like, this is when I kind of go crazy. But it just, it's like, it's okay. <laughs> like, okay. like, you know, okay, I ate at a Japanese restaurant and I really love the idea of hand rolls. And, uh, I went to a Chinese restaurant and I got Peking duck and I love the hoisin with the, with the, yeah. uh-huh. with that. And so sometimes I like, we have a dish on right now. It's called the pork hand roll. We have sticky rice, but. It's like Thai sticky rice, but I add rice vinegar to it, just like sushi. And then I would add, you know, we had hoisin and then a bunch of Thai pickles. And then we have, we bought nori and we roll it up Uh and, you know, this is, and then, yeah, you eat it. But like, if I did that six years ago, I think I would have been very ashamed of myself, but I think I just... Why? Because I was just, because it was not it was not authentic Thai. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah? Okay. Now, now I just kind of like we the foundation is Thai and the foundation is, is Southern Georgia yeah. Southern ingredients. But now I just do I just kind of do whatever makes sense. Whatever but makes. Sense. This is what you represent as well, correct? This is this is you know the Thai background, but as well growing up, you know, in in Atlanta area. So who you are is you know, a mix of all of this. So, yeah. So that's, that's, that's being like authentic to who you are. So that's, that's, you know, that cuisine. So there, there is, so you mentioned that it could be, uh, you know, the inspiration to come that you want to execute like a specific technique. Do you have an, an example? If it's not on a menu today, but maybe in a, in a past, on the past menu that, you know, you, an example would say like, this is a technique I wanted to really you know, highlight or play with, or that I'm in, interested to, uh, you know, to execute in any, any example that would be great. Let's see. I guess the fermented pork rib was, or like the fermentation of meat in Thai food is just fascinating to me. It just, it makes no sense. It sounds dangerous, but it's so good every time I eat it. So that technique, I, it's called the nam, where you just literally have the right amount of salt and and sticky rice and garlic, and you just 
make a paste and you cook your meat and you just leave it out in the hot sun that's between 95 and 98 degrees Fahrenheit for one to two days. And then you just fry it or grill it. It's, it's a technique that's kind of like scary because if you don't have the right amount of salt, you can get yourself sick. But once you nail it, it's the flavors are really good. And I learned that technique. I mean, it was hard to find that rest, that technique on online for a long time. But then I had Andy Ricker who came to the restaurant to do a dinner with us. He taught me how to, how to finally do that. And I just, I do that all the time now. I, we did a experiment where, uh, we did that with like a, like there's a barbecue cut where you have the pork belly attached to the spare rib. And we did that. And then we barbecued it for four hours with mesquite and hickory wood. And it came out really, really good. So you're talking about a specific collaboration that you did, you know, with uh, having this chef as a guest and learn the, the technique, you know, from him. I, do you do a lot of collaboration events in the uh, talent market? Yes, Atlanta? yes, we do. I, I find them very refreshing and it's fun to learn from the other person as well. Because like, every time I do a collaboration, I always take a new technique out and I always create... It always it challenges me to create a dish at a certain time. And you know I don't want to disappoint my teammate or my, the, my collaborator or the, the guest. So it, it pushes me to make something very different. And, and, and it always is really good. Do you have like one in mind that you know you can share about like a you know a great experience of a collaboration and something that you learn out of it? I guess the we did. I mean, I kind of talked about it with the the, the rib, but we did a, a barbecue uh, event with this uh, pop up called Jeans. They kind of do barbecue, but in a non-traditional way they do they have the foundations but they kind of go all over the world too and and bring really fun flavors to their barbecue but we we did a collab with them they brought the smoker to the restaurant and you know that the format was trying to make it barbecue the barbecue setting with the sides and the big piece of meat and the sauces but somehow make it thai and so you know, at our restaurant where we have a lot of fresh coconut cream and red curry paste. And I, I was thinking what I had, wouldn't it be cool to make like corn grits with like, like yellow corn, sweet corn, but make it into like a, a red curry, sweet corn, uh, grits. And, uh, yeah, uh, that was one of, That was something that I made that I was very, very proud of. Everybody kept talking about it. And it's, I don't know if I'll ever put it on the menu at the lab market, but I will, that's something that I know I can do. You know, that's something that I don't usually do. And, and it it was fun. Yeah. And the barbecue there is kind of like use, instead of using just, just hickory wood or oak wood, we, we tossed in some coconut shells from our, the byproduct from our coconuts. And so that that's uh doing stuff like that. That that event was really fun. 
right, cool. How often do you change the menu at Talat Market? I think we change it too much. <laughs> it's it's really hard to keep up when you're changing that much. But I'm, but you know, when we were young, when we were a young restaurant, we were changing the menu every week, like like every dish every week. It was mm-hmm. kind of crazy. But now these days, there are more staples. And we're trying to move into more of like, okay, one week we have we do this this set of of foods, this this protein, these vegetables. That's always the goal. But there is always something in me that's just like, I'm bored of this now. Let's do something crazy. That's just that's just in my blood. <laughs> but yeah. So so if you come back, you said like what seven years or something like this. You know, when obviously you started with with a pop-up. So can you share like the journey of transforming transforming talent market, you know, from the pop-up that you have to now what is a recognized, you know, proper Thai Thai American restaurant in Atlanta? Yeah. I mean I would say that having a partnership with my business partner Rod uh mm-hmm. is very was very Lassiter. important. Rod, Rod Lassiter, Rod Lassiter, yes. Lassiter, yeah, yeah. It was very important to the growth of the restaurant. I felt mm-hmm. like if I did it by myself, I don't think I... I wouldn't have the restaurant that is what it is now. I think it would be a lot different. But with the both of us, we, we the thing that we have in common is we're, we're always wanting to get better and push. So in the beginning, the lab market, we started out, I had a lot... I had a lot to say through my food. I had a lot to experience and and explore. So I think that's why there was so much turn turnaround in the dishes in the menu mm-hmm. because I wanted okay, I did this technique. I've been eyeing this other technique that I've been thinking about for years. I need to do that technique. It's it was kind of like when a band has been playing for years but they've never made a record and they have all these songs And they just put everything into that first album. That's what that was. My first album was that pop up in the beginning. Yeah. But then I started to, then we started to lose. I, I was like, I don't have any more ideas. <laughs> I put it all out, out there. You have to go to the second album. Yeah, the second <laughs> album. To- <laughs> what, what are we going to do? But, you know, I was, I felt them very financially okay at the pop up. I made the most money I've ever made. Compared to all of my other jobs, you know, this was back in 2016, 17 restaurant world. You don't, you get like paid a, like a little bit. So this was my first taste of like, whoa, I can, I can enjoy myself. And so I didn't <laughs> want to leave that, but I knew that being in that pop-up space, it wasn't gonna, the dream was not going to grow anymore. Rod, he, he saw that. You know, we tapped out. We there's we can't go any further, and and this was after you know all the recognition and the press, yeah. which was crazy because I mean we didn't think that we were that good. We were just doing something different compared to everybody else, and we got all this recognition, but it helped us find the next step. Rob was like. We got to go. I found a spot in this part of Atlanta. Let's go. And 
uh, we, I went and we, we signed the lease without no, without any money. And somehow, you know, with all those press and all that, all this stuff we built up, the recognition, it helped us find funding through like a grassroots marketing. We did like Kickstarter. We also like found some people who wanted to help us out. Mm-hmm. And going from that point to that, to almost opening the restaurant, that was, it was a lot of like hurry up and wait because everything was always moving. You're like, we have the goal, but we don't know if we can make this happen. We have to talk, shake hands and talk to everybody, get the equipment. And that's a different job. That's a different <laughs> job. And it was almost like, all right, now we had our fun in the beginning. Now we, now it's like, now you have to be good at that. So you, that's sure. not even the most important part of the business now. It's a different set of skill sets, huh? for sure. It is. It's, yeah. it's not what I was used to. And, you know, I went to culinary school and they taught some of that, but it didn't yeah. make sense until you now, when you do it. You jump in it. Talking about culinary school. So you went to the CIA, correct? I, did. In, I did. in Hyde Park. Hyde, Hyde Park. Okay, I was just there uh, this past uh, this past week. Oh, nice! I never, yeah, yeah. So, how was that time at, at the CIA? What was it worth it? I mean, you know, because there's a lot of chefs that I talk to, you know, pro culinary school or not really. You know, people can stage and they can learn. Yeah. What What was that this ex- that experience for you? Well, for my for me, I thought it was one of the most important foundational things that I've ever done for my mm-hmm. cooking. I wouldn't say that it gave me structure, but I found that the networking and knowing the people that I started out with who are now like really doing amazing things, it's, that was the most important thing for me was just making the networks. Cause I can, I can go to Thailand and I have a lot of friends there that can show me around and tell me what's going on. And you know, there's a lot of cool experiences that I don't think I would have ex- done if I it wasn't for culinary school. I wouldn't have known a lot about farming. I saw, I went to, I went to a lot of the talks that they had there mm-hmm. um, to see Joel Salatan, April Bloomfield. You know, we had Anthony Bourdain there once. And it's just all these things that I've I've learned through the I've learned the culture of food through that real quick. If I did it by myself, I think I wouldn't have, because I don't like to read books. <laughs> I just, or I, you know, I just, I like experiencing it with yeah, my yeah. hands and ex- doing it. But yeah, culinary school was good to me. I really liked it. And okay. it opened my eyes to the opportunity to be in New York. Uh, really opened my eyes up to what Thai food could be. A small, mm-hmm. that was like a small portion of it. I went to like, there was like this restaurant in New York called Street Papai, uh, which was amazing. And yeah. And then you did, you did like several stages, correct? So, and especially what you, you had one in Bangkok, correct? Nam? Yes. In Bangkok. So how, how was that experience and this, you know, international uh, exposure and, you know, and being there in the country? So. Prior to that, I the reason why I fell in love with cooking Thai food, I felt homesick and I went 
And I Googled and I saw this book called Thai Food by David Thompson. And I went and bought it at this Barnes and Noble. And that was something that was my Bible. I looked at it every almost every time I was thinking about Thai food. And I saw how he like organized a Thai meal. I was like, mm-hmm. when you order a Thai meal, you have all these things. And one of my dreams was to go to Nam and Bangkok and just stage there and and meet the man and and learn and taste. And so when I got there, it was the first person who let me in. It was Prin Prasut. He is the chef of Samrap Samrap Thai in Thailand right now. He's he's huge, but he was just the the CDC at the time, and he let me in. And you know, I learned about. The uh, the French Brigade system, but David Thompson he took that French Brigade system with and then made it fit into Thai culture, culture and yeah. food. It was interesting. Uh-huh. It was like there's a Yum station, which is the salad station, and then there's like the relish station. There's a wok station. There was a curry. There was a soup station, and there you know that was. Really, really interesting to me, and and just and I when seeing it, like I was reading about it, but then seeing it in practice was very, very inspirational to me. And a lot of what I saw there has influenced what we do at the restaurant at in the lab market. But my the biggest memory I had was when the curry chef. He let me taste fresh coconut cream for the first time. I had never had fresh coconut cream, and I just was so amazed how naturally sweet it was and how smooth and not like chunky or too thick. It was just that that made me decide like, all right, when if I ever do my version of Thai cuisine, I will never have canned coconut cream or milk in the restaurant. And years later, you know, I go back to Thailand. And I bought a hydraulic press and a, a coconut grater, and we shipped it with many other things to the lot market. Oh, wow. And now we, it's like, you know, in the beginning, it was just me and Rod who did the coconut cream, but now everybody on staff knows how to make that product. And I think it's cool because I've had, I've had like, we've had employees who've never worked in restaurants before <laughs> who are super green. But they're learning the foundations of their cooking career with Thai food. And, you know, so them learning how to shuck a coconut and making coconut cream, I, yeah. I just, I was like, wow, that's nuts. Because when I first started out, I was learning someone else's food. I was learning uh, how to make Bermontes and grits. And, but they're starting out with Thai food. That's so. <laughs> So you're talking about like you know green you know worker working in the kitchen. So do you have any advice for chefs or like cooks? I would say that are striving to make you know their mark in the culinary industry, and especially you know like in diverse food scene like Atlanta has. It's important to do the work at the restaurant. The basic things are, you know, if you're going to fail a lot. You know, that's just the nature of mm-hmm. cooking. You fail until you understand the technique or your station. 
you follow the chef's recipes, ask him questions, be clean, organize. That's important. All that stuff is important. But if you're look, thinking about your long-term goal of having a career in the food business, I would say you have to go out and, you know, volunteer at like a farm or maybe, you know, work at, do like front of house stuff, like learn how to serve people, learn how to talk to people because this is a big people business. It's, that's one thing that I would tell my younger self is like cooking and doing all this is important. But if you want to move up more, you have to learn how to like work with people of different personalities. So just like do a lot of extracurricular activities that are related to food and network, you know? Okay, sure. So if you look back at your career, what has been the most rewarding or memorable experience in your culinary journey thus far? When I uh, decided that I want to do Thai food, I had like three people in my mind that were my mentors that they didn't know that that they were mentoring me outside of, they didn't know me, but I just put them on pedestals. And I, lo- I was looking at every, their every move and I was just kind of like following them and learning how to cook like them. And I would say the meeting all of them in my, in my career has been one of the biggest memorable things. Like I, I got to meet David Thompson, mm-hmm. got to work his, with his, him. I got to meet Andy Ricker and got to work with him. And I met Chris Yanbenbrun from Night Market. Just went going to eat at his restaurant and I saw him walk out and we talked. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy how far, like, where, I, you know, how far my restaurant and my career has brought me to those, to my heroes. And I would say that was, that was pretty much. I already I met that goal. Very so. nice. Yeah, that's great. So no more goals? Come no on. more. Let's I'm done. About, I'm going to retire that's it. now. You're done? <laughs> <laughs> so no, so talking about projects, yeah. So any upcoming projects or collaboration that you are excited about that you would like to share with us? Yeah, I got this project called Songkran. So we did it last year. It's just the, my idea is that, you know, in the South, I feel like, Southeast Asian food is very, or in, in, in Thailand, I mean, sorry, Thailand has lots of people in New York and LA, and there's just a big amount of amazing restaurants that they do there. Mm-hmm. But in the South, I feel like it's not really represented. And I, I wanted to make a big event to capture Southern chefs that are doing Thai and Lao food that are Thai and Lao. And so a lot of the Thai and Lao people coming from the South who are like first generation like me, and they're going to make one dish that they find fascinating, but we're also having, uh, you know, the IRC Atlanta, uh, gonna be is the benefiter of some of our profits just to help. Cause you know, my grandma was a refugee and anything that I do, 
I want to have an underlining of heart and interest. And so me kind of doing this is just me digging deeper and trying to figure out like what my grandma went through to get to the country. And I feel like a lot of people who are from that region kind of felt that way. And then we, and prior to that, we have uh, a, a night where we have these two amazing chefs that hof- hopefully we're going to, fl- I mean, it's not set in stone yet, but this is like what I want. I want to have like a La- Lao and Thai chef of like super high caliber come in and we're going to make like a special dinner and elevate that the Thai and Lao food. and then. The next day is is kind of like going back to the roots and tradition, and yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. And that's and that's for Songkran in April, correct? Yes, that's what you are talking yes. about. Okay, so there's two different two different evenings with two different type of events. Correct. Okay, very good. Okay, so let's switch to rapid fire questions. So, if you and I were going into a tasting tour in Atlanta. Which five spots would you take me to? And of course, outside of Talat Market. Okay. I would go to Hot Cafe, uh, Pollo Primo, Okiyaki, uh, Gigi's, and Miller Union. Okay. Very good. So what is your go-to guilty pleasure food? My guilty pleasure is potato chips, and I love the queso ruffle potato chips. I don't know what's going on with them. Okay. There's a sourness in the rich umami MSG. I just, I just love it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Cheesy. And then, <laughs> exactly. Any recent cookbook that uh, caught your eyes and inspired you recently? Let's see. I would... The 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 noodle pak pak noodle book. It's always mm-hmm. uh, there's like a drink section in there that really I want to explore more. Like there's like lemongrass teas and stuff like that. Pretty cool. What's your biggest biggest pet peeves in the kitchen? Just on not having a clean station. Okay. Okay. What's your favorite dish to prepare at Talat Market? And why? I love cooking things in the wok. Uh, it just, it's just pretty interesting that, you know, it's just one type of cooking u- utensil. But I think sometimes people think that stir fry dishes are all the same, but there are different techniques for different stir fries. And I find, find it fascinating about all those nuances. Okay, so you're talking about the walk, but is there any other kitchen gadget that you you can't live without? I can't live without the coconut grater and the hydraulic press. <laughs> oh, That's okay. One gadget, but yes. Well, there's a there's a small <laughs> gadget version too, like a handheld. Okay. Oh, the coconut oh, yeah. knife <laughs> to get the coconut meat out of the coconut. It ah. looks like a hook. Okay. I really love that. Okay. Are there and so uh, yeah? Are there any p- particular ingredients or spices that you like to have on hand in your kitchen? I always love 
to have red curry paste on hand at the restaurant. It's very versatile. We use it in almost everything. Almost everything. Okay. If there is a chef that you dream of collaborating Ooh. with? I would love to... I don't know. This would be intimidating, but to collaborate with Brain Pursuit of Samrap Samrap Thai, that would be epic, and I'd be, okay. I would probably not be able to sleep. And that's a good thing, <laughs> because that's going to push me to do my best. To be, yes. To be ready for the challenge. Yes, absolutely. And what's the most challenging dish that you have ever prepared? This didn't stay long on the menu, but it was, I deboned the whole mackerel and I stuffed it with saiwa sausage. Like it's an herbal sausage uh -huh. from Northern Thailand. And we wrapped it and then we cooked it over the grill and served it with like, like a cucumber, sweet cucumber relish and peanuts. It was really good, but it took so long to make. Okay. Okay. Not so yet. No I'm going to find a better way to do it. <laughs> Okay. Chef, thank you very much for being on, on the show. It was a pleasure to, to welcome you and, you know, finally to, to have you sharing your, your thoughts and the great dishes and cooking at, from Talat Market. Thank you so much for having me, Emmanuel. And that's where our flavor journey comes to a savory pose. A big thank you to Chef Parnas Savang for sharing his culinary story and for making us discover the art of Georgian Thai cuisine. His path from his family kitchen to the acclaimed Talat market stands as an example for anyone with a dream to redefine the culinary landscape. Let's keep the conversation going. Please follow us on Instagram at Flavors Unknown for a daily taste of inspiration and subscribe to our newsletter at flavorsunknown.com to get the latest updates and behind-the-scenes content delivered right to your inbox. Stay hungry for the unknown, and remember to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, keep exploring the uncharted flavors of life. And until then, keep in mind that the people who likes to eat are always the best people. Thanks for listening to Flavors Unknown. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a follow on Instagram at flavorsunknown and visit us at flavorsunknown.com. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts.